Thank you for joining the Small Business Owners and Operators Podcast. I'm your host, Drew T. Jackson. I'm a small business coach, speaker, and trainer, and I seek to bring you relevant interviews with small business owners and top-notch training in the areas of leadership, personal growth, and communication. Please subscribe to our podcast or our YouTube channel, and you'll receive notifications when we release new episodes. Get ready today. We have a fantastic teaching on how to maximize the influence you have with those you lead. I'm about to share an extraordinary opportunity with you that will dramatically improve your leadership ability. Now, I don't make that kind of claim lightly, and I don't do it without the evidence to back it up. In the next 40 minutes or so, I'll be leading you to and through an entirely different level of understanding about how you positively influence the people you lead to not only go way beyond their existing performance levels, but to go way beyond what they thought they were capable of. Regardless of whether your title is a manager or leader or you run your own business, you're in the business of growing, developing, and improving people. And that makes you a leader more than a manager, a point that we'll elaborate on further in just a short while. As a leader of people, you know that the quality of your leadership is determined by the quality of relationships you have with those you lead, which ultimately determines the level of performance they give you in return. It's no difference for the business owner. The quality of relationships the business owner has with his staff, suppliers, associates, partners, and customers will have a significant influence on how successful the business will be. And the same principles apply to faith-based leaders of churches, synagogues, temples, etc. The church or the synagogue is only as strong as the relationship its leader has with its congregation, and if applicable, his or her leadership team. And then there's the bedrock of our lives, our personal relationships. We might not always think about how the quality of our personal relationships impacts our professional success, but deep down, we know that they're the most important relationships of all. The bottom line is, regardless of your vocation in life, if you're to be successful, you can't do it alone. And never more than today has your success depended so much on the willing collaboration of others and your ability to influence them beyond the existing results, conditions, and circumstances of their lives. All that brings us to the inevitable conclusion that many people completely miss. The most important skill to master in business today is the art and skill of influence. I want you to think about that for a moment. The ability to influence others isn't a nice to have uh, in life type type uh, skill set. It's absolutely essential. And yet I can guarantee if you're a product of the same education system that I am, then you, then you didn't get it. Uh, you didn't attend any classes or courses on how to successfully influence other people. And that's why I can assure you, if you're willing to grasp, grasp the vitally important message I have to share with you today and what follows it, your life and leadership ability is about to improve dramatically for the better. And that's another big promise that I don't take lightly. Consider this. We all uh, know that if a speaker's message is to be heard, the speaker has to influence the audience. And if a leader is to be successful in their primary objective of improving the performance and results of those they manage or lead, he or she has to be effective in influencing others. But the problem is, as much as we might not like to admit it, most of us are not as effective in influencing others effectively as we might like to think we are. And I'll explain why shortly. But John Maxwell describes leadership as influence, nothing more, nothing less. You've probably heard that before. 
But what if there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to influence? It makes sense when you think about it. If we try to influence people in a one-to-one meeting or even a small group environment like we would a team meeting, the same way we influence an audience from the stage, we'd be very unsuccessful. And it just wouldn't work. But the truth is, this essential life skill differs from situation to situation. And it doesn't matter what title you hold, whether you consider yourself to be a manager or a leader or a business owner. The fact of the matter is, if you're to lead others effectively, and what I mean by that is meaning your influence on them brings about improved results and greater success in every aspect of their life, that's what we really want, right? If that's going to be the case, then you have to master the art of influence. But before we go any further, let's, let's get some terms of reference understood. Because what I'm about to share with you is the difference between management and leadership. Now, those two terms are thrown together as if they're the same thing. And they're not. They're not the same thing. And I'm, I'm not referring to titles here. I'm referring to the different, uh, the different behaviors and the impact they have on people. Christian Simpson, the the creator of the Maxwell Method of Coaching, describes management as the measurement of people, process, and performance. And leadership as the development of people, process, and performance. You see that? The measurement versus the development. Now, both have their place and purpose. However, if you're to influence people to greater results in their business and their personal lives, you have to be a leader. Now, people don't want to be managed. Uh, They want to be led. Talent wants to be inspired, not just measured. It wants to grow and improve. Talent strives to, to be, do, and have more. And if you're to bring the best out, uh, of people, you have to, you need to add value to them. And if you're to add value to them, you need to ensure you're equipped to, in how to influence them effectively. And most people, most of us simply aren't. How many of us are, are really taught how to influence people effectively? And by effect, effectively, I mean, to the degree that, that brings demonstrable, permanent improvements in the results of people we'd like to influence for the better. I mean, how many of us can say that we can actually do that effectively. Not many of us. Not if we're honest with ourselves. And and here's why. Most of us have learned how to influence others pretty much by how others have influenced us in the past. Now that might work to a certain degree, but if if you really think about it, given the most important work of a leader is to influence others, surely just leaving it to chance is a very limiting business. And there are some big assumptions being made. Firstly, it assumes that The person who influenced us is highly skilled in how to influence. But just because someone has influenced you doesn't mean that they're highly skilled at influencing. People are influenced by others for all kinds of reasons, often unconsciously, especially when it comes to those we grant authority status in our lives, such as parents and teachers and bosses and religious leaders. Secondly, it's very likely the person who influenced you is using exactly the same methods he or she has learned from from other people. And here's why that's a problem. Our understanding of how to influence another person is flawed. It just is. It's, it, it's, it's learned behavior over year, but it's flawed. And what I mean by that is most people perceive influence to be getting people to buy into your way of thinking. So they'll do what you want them to do. But that's not influence. That's manipulation. And as we've seen time and time again, manipulation might get people to do what you want them to do initially, but beyond that, nothing changes. They soon return to their old habit 
habitual ways of doing things, and, and performance levels remain the same or in, in some cases get worse. Even those of us who have attended training courses to improve influencing skills have been left shortchanged. Not because the training wasn't good enough, but because the underlying assumption behind the training is flawed. And here's, here's why. To coach, once again, quite directly um, from, from to, to, to quote directly from Christian Simpson, the creator of the Maxwell Method of Coaching, is influence is not bringing someone around to your truth. It's to bring them around to their own. It's not bringing someone to your truth. It's to bring them around to their own. In other words, it's about helping a person think into what is true for them rather than what's true for you. Getting away from micromanaging, you could say. It's, it's not giving them all the answers. And I'm getting ahead of myself here, so I'll just I'll go back to my notes. But, but here's a perfect example of just how we've, we've got this way wrong. Whenever someone asks for help, what do we do? Well, in the vast majority of cases, we give them advice. Even if we have no experience or knowledge of what they're asking for help with, we still give advice. We tell people what to do or give them, give them the answers. You've experienced this. You've probably done this. You had no, no experience in a certain activity, but you gave your advice Anyway, why do we do that? We do that because that's exactly how people have behaved towards us throughout our lives when we've asked for help. Our parents told us what to do and what not to do. And when we were too young to, do, to, to, to know the difference between safety and danger, that advice kept us alive. And that was good. That was really good. Good job, parents. But as we get older, as we become more self-sufficient, that approach is rarely required. But does it stop our parents and other authority figures in our lives continuing to tell us what to do and what not to do? Not really. And if you watched my, or listened to the podcast last week, you saw the, the cost question and how we, how we weigh advice. You have to weigh advice that you're giving them. And if someone doesn't have experience in the area that they're giving you advice in, then that doesn't carry much weight. So, so I want to ask you this question. Do you know what the implication is of this? We grow up and become conditioned to always look for answers to our challenges and problems from other people, often without giving a moment's thought to whether that person concerned is more qualified than we are to give the answer. And this is exactly what we don't want. I talk to small business owners all the time, and what's their frustration? Their people keep that continue to come back to them asking for answers before they even take time to think for themselves. They don't even take time to really think through a challenge on their own. They just want the answer. Google it, right? That's what my kids say all the time. Just Google it, dad. But that's not what we want to train our employees to do. We want to train our employees, our team members, to be problem solvers. And that's what this training is all about. It's not unusual to hear a person with a job interview asking for interview tips from his longtime unemployed neighbor, right? Do you, do, you, do you see the irony there, right? Which brings us nicely to the biggest implication of all. When somebody else gives you advice and tells you what to do and provides you with your answers, you don't have to think. And when we give someone advice, and we tell them what to do and provide them with the answers, as well-intended as we may be, we deny that person the opportunity to think for themselves. 
But we've been programmed to avoid thinking all our lives. I've already discussed how our parents who loved us dearly but knew no better told, told us what to do and, and what not to do. Then we get to school and if you went through the same education system I did, every day you were taught what to think and not how to. Then we get to work and, and what does the boss do? I was at training last night and I asked, a, it was a brand new group of people that I was training and I, I said, how many of you would identify yourself as a leader? And the first response, and it's always the first response, well, I don't know, I don't, I don't really like bossing people around. I don't really like going around telling people what to do. That is our concept and our idea of leadership. We say it even in the term bossy. What, is it, what, what does it mean when someone tells others what to do? We say they're bossy. What does that mean? That what, is, what, what does that sound like? It sounds like the word boss, right? They're the boss. They're the boss. And he or she gives us advice and directs us and tells us what to do. Then we put on, uh, we, we're put into to training programs that teach us what to do, not how to think. And we're all products of our environment. And the truth of the matter is our parents, our teachers, our bosses, our religious leaders, as well as, as well intended as they might have been, they all taught what to think, not how to think. And if there's one thing I can guarantee, that's limiting the people you lead and denying them the opportunity to perform at a much higher level. And it, it shortchanges them in their inability to think for themselves. And here's two reasons why this is such an important understanding to grasp. Firstly, this isn't the industrial age anymore. We live in the information age. It's an entirely different paradigm. The, the industrial revolution was built on an autocratic direct management style that assumed people were unresourceful and needed directing to be effective. If you're treating people like that today, you'll shut them down and lose them. In today's world, ideas are the new currency. Creativity is the new wealth. And if you're not unlocking the creative abilities of those you lead, and you're not equipped to improve their quality of thinking, they're bringing to their business and personal lives, I can assure you, you're limiting the potential of your people. And secondly, thinking is the, it's the highest function of which we're capable. It isn't a subject taught in either traditional or business education. And all of the great leaders from every walk of life in the last 6,000 years of recorded history have unanimously agreed that what we think about, we become. So is there a more important subject to understand than how we help a person think? If there is, I'm, I'm yet to find it. You see, the bottom line is the quality of a person's life will always be in direct proportion to the quality of thinking he or she is applying to their life. Let me say that again. The quality of a person's life will always be in direct proportion to the quality of thinking he or she is applying to their life. Poor quality of thinking can only produce poor quality results. Average thinking can only produce average results. Constantly improving quality of thinking can only produce constantly improving results. That's the law of cause and effect asserting itself. The thing is, when, when do you think the last time most people, the people in our business, the people we employ or hire, or the people we serve in a congregation, did anything to improve the quality of their thinking? Most people will never think to improve their thinking because they assume they're already thinking because they experience mental activity. 
Mental activity doesn't constitute thought. Most people are rerunning the same old mental patterns, the same old habitual ways of thinking every day, week, month, year. And in more cases than you might imagine, decade after decade. How can you tell? Their results. Their results hardly changed. 2,000 years ago, a wise teacher named Jesus spoke into this truth when he said, by their fruits, you shall know them. Truth is about people. The truth is most people don't want to think. Not because they're not capable, not because they, they haven't been given the same creative abilities as any other human being, not because they lack any more potential in, in the areas of their natural giftedness than, than anyone else, but because it's alien to them. Is it any wonder that most people don't think? We're all products of our environment. If you've spent your entire life being told what to think and what to do by other people, why would you operate any differently if you know no better? Henry Ford recognized this problem he observed many years ago, and he said this, thinking is the hardest work there is, which is probably why so few partake in it. The truth is most people are dreadfully uncomfortable with the idea of thinking and will avoid it at all costs. We have a society engineered to disengage the mind. Entertainment rules, television, computer games, movies, media, and, and paperbacks, all designed to avoid the need to think. This is why George Bernard Shaw said 2% of people think, 3% think they think, and 95% would rather die than think. That's pretty funny, but what's not funny is how true that statement is. Consider this. When do you think the last time the average person came in contact with someone who helped them think? I can assure you, if it's, if it's ever happened to them, it's very rare. Most people are directed and told what to do and think. Is it any wonder, therefore, that, that they don't? A leader empowers people to think into better results. If you're going to be a person of influence, if you're to be the person equipped to take people beyond their existing results, you have to be a person equipped to help people think. And with the greatest of respect, unless you've been trained and educated in the Maxwell method of coaching, it's, 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 it's extremely unlikely that, that you are. An entirely different skill set is required than the traditional directive style of leadership. And if you're going to light up the performance of your colleagues and ensure your team and employees are willing to go beyond contractual obligation to the discretionary level of effort that, that makes all the difference to the top and bottom line, or if you're a faith-based leader and, and you want to help your congregation to overcome their fears and challenges so they can live far happier, more fulfilled lives, then, then you need to draw upon the deep reservoirs of potential within by them using the Maxwell Method of coaching. And before I elaborate on how you make that happen, let's first focus on why learning how to coach is so vital to your success as a leader. And, and if, as John Maxwell says, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less, then learning how to coach is the most important education a leader can have. And why is that? Well, it's because next to our own behavior, uh, in other words, how we we show up in life, coaching is the most powerful means by influencing another person to greater success. In fact, the ability to coach is what differentiates a manager from a leader. 
As Christian Simpson, Simpson says, you cannot lead unless you can coach. The problem is most people completely misunderstand what coaching is. They think of the traditional view of sports coach. The, as Christian Simpson says, you cannot lead unless you can coach. The problem is most people completely misunderstand what coaching is. They think of the traditional view of a sports coach, the expert or tactician who shares knowledge, experience, and tells people what to do and how to do it. That is not what the coach as leader does. In fact, quite the opposite is true. The last thing a coaching leader does is give people their answers. Why? Well, because a true leader, a coaching leader, is in the business of helping people improve the quality of thinking they're bringing to their lives. That's influence. That's the art of transformational leadership. And it's why coaching is the most important skill set of a leader. Let's take a look at why that is. What I'm about to share with you is a very simple graphic that opens up a whole new level of understanding of what it takes to lead yourself and others to greater success in life. Don't allow the apparent uh, simplicity of this graphic to distract you from its eye-opening ability to help you understand how you and those you lead operate. Now, earlier I shared how thinking is the highest function of which we are capable. It isn't a subject taught in traditional adult or business education, and all of the great leaders throughout the last 6,000 years of recorded history all agree that you and I think about what we become. What we think about we will become. You've heard the proverb, as a man thinketh, so is he. So if the quality of our thinking is the cause of the effects we know to be results, then it makes sense that it is vitally important we as leaders understand how to think. And we think in images. Check this out. If I asked you to think of your home, what do you see? You don't see the words H-O-M-E. You see a picture of the place you live. Now think of your car. Instantly, the image of your home is gone and you see a picture of your car. We literally think in pictures. Now think of your mind. What image do you get? Most people don't get an image at all. Some get an image of the brain. Who got an image of the brain? Virtually, I see you raising your hand right now. <laughs> That's very common, but it's also grossly misleading because the brain's no more the mind than the fingernail is. And, and paradoxically, the mind is in the cells of both the fingernail and the brain. The brain is a marvelous and incredibly complex organ, but it isn't the mind. And just to clarify, you think with the brain. It doesn't think independently of you. And to prove that point, they, they've still got Einstein's brain in a jar somewhere. And it's been no use to anyone since Albert left us. We can all agree on that. Mind is movement. Body is a manifestation of that movement. And as no one's ever seen the mind, and we think in pictures where there's no picture to work with, confusion sets in. That's why Proverbs states, where there is no vision, the people perish. It doesn't mean they perish physically. It means they perish psychologically because the mind with an image to work with lacks clarity and direction. If your mind does not have an image to work with, it lacks clarity and direction. Think about this for a moment. If, leader, if leadership is influence and results or effects, then as leaders, our business is to influence the mind. 
The mind of a leader is like the engine of a car to a mechanic. If we're to influence others to greater results, we have to get under the hood and influence the engine that produces those results. We have to work with the cause, not the effect. And that's why the graphic I'm about to share is so important to you. It powerfully illustrates the creative process within our minds that we as leaders need to influence if we're to help those we lead to greater success. And that's what we want for our people, right? Do not allow the simplicity of this drawing to lead you to underestimate the understanding it brings. Because without this understanding and the inner eye of understanding it offers, your ability to influence others is significantly limited. I can assure you there is nothing more important for a leader to grasp than this simple graphic and what it reveals. As no one's ever seen a picture of the mind and we're raised to operate predominantly through our five physical senses, we tend to live in ignorance of anything we can't see, hear, taste, touch, and smell. And that limits our understanding, which is why most of us rarely focus on where our highest power is found, preferring instead to focus on the lower side of nature, our visible, physical body. As magnificent as the physical body is, it is only an instrument of the mind. That's why we're using this simple graphic to demonstrate how the mind and creative process works. Allow the large circle that's now appeared on the screen to represent the mind. The circle, the large circle representing the mind splits into two and represents the two primary functions of the mind, the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. The conscious mind is your thinking mind, your free will, reason, intellect lies here. It's also where your awareness lies. The more consciously aware you become in life, in any area of life, the less controlled you are by habit and the more success you'll enjoy as a consequence. This part of your personality has the ability to accept, reject, or neglect any idea that is accepted uncritically from an outside source through your five physical senses or an idea originating in your consciousness through the use of imagination. Now, as we're about to discover, even the conscious mind provides us with the ability to think. It doesn't automatically mean there's much thinking going on at all. Mental activity doesn't necessarily constitute thought. And even though the conscious mind has tremendous capabilities, it's not the most powerful part of your personality. That accolade belongs to the subconscious mind or the emotional mind. It's where you feel life. Every moment of your life is stored here. All habits and the belief systems, which are the primary influence on the quality of your thinking and the architects of your results are, are formed and reside in this part of your personality. This is the set of your untapped potential. It's called untapped because you're not currently aware of it. Your untapped potential awaits expression through you via conscious recognition. I'm going somewhere with this, okay? The subconscious has extraordinary capability. It's the part of you that's running your entire physical body and the billions of processes that are simultaneously underway within it as you listen to my words. You're not consciously beating your heart digesting your food or doing any other of the billions of processes underway in your physical body at any given moment. It's not being done by you. It's all being done for you. If you had consciously beat your heart, you'd, uh, you wouldn't be here much longer. <laughs> and, and even though this part of your personality is the most magnificent part of you, unlike the conscious mind, it has no ability to reject or neglect ideas. It can only accept Whatever, those, whatever thoughts are impressed upon it by the conscious mind. You see, you choose your thoughts. 
You can choose to focus on positive or negative thoughts. You can choose to focus on successes that have got you to where you are today, or you can focus on the failures and your perceived shortcomings. You can focus on the results you'd like to have in your life, or you can focus on the results you're currently getting. Whatever you choose, there are implications. Many people don't give a second thought to what they're thinking or the implication. In fact, many people experience the same habitual ways of thinking for months, years, even decades, never understanding the cause and effect relationship between the way they think and the results they get. Not only that, with the 24-7 media exposure we have today, we're continually bombarding the mind with negative news stories. Is it any wonder so many people are full of fear, stress, anxiety, and low self-worth when their conscious minds are flooded with the constant stream of toxicity? Here's uh, why what we think about is so important. The thoughts you choose are impressed upon the subconscious mind. Even though your conscious mind chooses to accept your subconscious um, even, even though your conscious mind chooses to accept, your subconscious has to accept. And as those thoughts are impressed upon the subconscious mind, they cause feelings or emotions. The word emotion is an abbreviation for the Latin word energy in motion. Emotion, energy in motion. Now that emotion, that energy in motion has to be expressed through the, the only physical medium the subconscious mind controls, which is the body. We know that expression to be the actions and behavior, which ultimately generate the results we get in our lives. This is the creative process that flows to and through us all. It allows, it, it, it's always in operation and never ceases to call forth whether the results it generates are perceived to be good or bad. And this is why the most prominent thinkers throughout the ages all agreed that what you and I think about, we ultimately become. The only quality control measure applied to the creative process is the one of your conscious choosing. Understanding this, if you're not consciously choosing your thoughts, you're thinking as you've always thought. I'll say that again. If you're not consciously choosing your thoughts, you're thinking as you've always thought. And the creative process will continue to call forth regardless. It can do nothing else but recreate the same kind of results over and over and over again. This is why people persistently fail to make improvements in their lives. They lack an, under, an understanding of how the creative process works and how to influence it to work in your favor. This is why joining me in the, in the forthcoming event where you'll learn the Maxwell Method of Coaching is so critical to your success as a leader because coaching is the only means by which you successfully interrupt the habitual ways of thinking that keep us trapped in a perpetual cycle of continuous underachievement. And here's what makes coaching so transformational. Let's look at the graphic of the mind and the creative process from a different angle, keeping in mind cause and effect. As leaders, we're looking to improve results. Results are effects. And if we're to influence results, then the most intelligent question we can ask is what is the immediate cause of my results, right? The answer is our actions and behavior. You don't need a degree in neurosurgery to work that out, right? But what is the immediate cause of our actions and behaviors? Now, this is where it gets interesting because if we're to strictly follow the wisdom of what we think about, we become, 
That answer would obviously be how we think. However, as true as that treatment is, it doesn't go far enough to explain the ultimate cause and effect relationship in the creative process. Because if we're to help improve how a person thinks into life, we need to understand what's currently influencing their existing way of thinking. And that brings us to what I call BS. Now, this is a family program, so BS stands for belief systems. Our beliefs are the architecture of our thinking, behavior, and results. The problem is we're not aware of them. They operate outside of our conscious awareness. And until a person becomes consciously aware of a belief system and the implications of it, they can't evaluate and modify it in the pursuit of greater results. Have you ever wondered why so many people who go on diets to reduce their weight only end up putting it all back on and then some, right? Have you ever wondered why so many people vow to stop smoking and do so for a short while only to return to it with a greater addiction than before? Have you ever attended a, a great training program full of potential, full of powerful information with so much potential, right? But in a few weeks, you've forgotten most of it and there's nothing changed in your results? Have you ever wondered why so many New Year's resolutions fail? Have you ever wondered why no matter how much you tell people to do something, they might do it once or twice, but before long, they return back to the same old behaviors time and time. Again, it's because they've, there's been no change at the level of belief system. And like it or not, what a person, be, person believes about themselves, their potential, their abilities, and their future ultimately determines their success in life you will never outperform your self-image. Our beliefs reside, reside in the subconscious, which means they're outside of our conscious awareness and you can't change what you're not aware of. You can pour as much information as you like into the conscious mind, but if you fail to influence at both conscious and subconscious levels of the personality, there can be no substitute. There can be no substantial improvement in results. And that's why I'm inviting you to join me in your next step, a career-defining, life-changing experience that will dramatically improve your ability to influence people to greater success. In the Coaching Skills for Managers and Leaders workshop, you'll discover tried, tested, and proven strategies that have dramatically improved the lives of hundreds of thousands of people across the world. It's called the Maxwell Method of Coaching. Here's why this half-day workshop is so powerful and so vital for you. Without these skills, your ability to influence in a, is significantly restricted. That means your ability to lead is significantly restrict, restricted, which means the performance of your people you lead will be significantly restricted, and nobody wants that. I want to make sure I'm very clear on this because it, it really is that important, and your success depends on it. Management and leadership are not titles or positions in an organization structure. They are behaviors. You can find people managing in, at an executive level. They might have a business and people to lead, but it doesn't mean they're leading. The world is rich in managers and measuring people and poor in leaders and developing them. And it's all, about, it's all because very few people are equipped in the skills you're about to learn. In the Coaching Skills for Managers and Leaders workshop, I'll be taking you through a powerful highly interactive experience to transfer the skills you need to take your ability to influence others to a whole new level. It won't make you a professional or certified coach, but it will radically transform how you structure the conversation with those you lead. And so you have a far greater impact on the performance of those you lead. At the end of the day, 
It's results that matter. And that is my explicit promise to you. It'll not only dramatically improve the quality of your relationships at work and position you in the minds of colleagues, peers, and employees as a, a person of influence, it'll positively improve the quality of every relationship in your personal life. Again, I don't make that kind of claim lightly, and I'm going to, do, I'm going to go one step further. And such is my confidence in, in the value of this eye-opening and life-changing experience. And what, and what discovering the Maxwell Method of Coaching will bring to you at a personal and professional level, I offer you a full, no questions asked, money-back guarantee. I can't stand by my promise any more than that, can I? All you need to do is, is register now. But before, before we do, here's a quick outline of what you can expect in the Coaching Skills for Managers and Leaders workshop. First, you must understand this is no ordinary workshop. It's not a chalk and talk, death by PowerPoint, one size fits all traditional training. You'll be taken through a highly experiential interactive learning experience by the master coach, my coach, the one who trained me in coaching, and the creator of the Maxwell Method of Coaching himself, Christian, Sis Christian Simpson. Christian developed this extraordinary and eye-opening experience from over a decade of equipping executives in some of the world's largest organizations to hold highly impactful coaching conversations with those they lead. You'll get a rare opportunity to observe and take part in Christian's powerful coaching training from the International Maxwell Certification Event, and I'll be leading you through the interactive elements that help transfer the skills from knowledge to behavior. As I mentioned, this experience has equipped leaders to be able to conduct powerful coaching conversations with those they lead. It's truly transformational, and not only will you learn a lot, you also have a lot of fun. Following the eye-opening presentation from Christian, I'll be conducting a live coaching session in the front of the group with the help of a, of a volunteer to solidify the learning. And what makes the workshop so powerful is that it maximizes the learning opportunity with a blend of learning systems, information on the skill set of coaching, and direct experience of the skill set as you deliver and receive coaching in the interactive aspects of the workshop. And you'll also receive the power, the power of observational learning as you watch me demonstrate the power of coaching process itself. I can assure you, you will leave the coaching skills for managers and leaders workshop an entirely different proposition to the people you leave. Your business or your company you represent and, and to those you love and interact with most in your personal life, your ability to influence people to ever increasing levels of performance will be transformed for the better forever. All you need to do now is register for the event. And I'll have a link below where you can do that. And you can, you can reach out to me and we can take care of you. Please, if you have any questions or comments, reach out to me in the comments below. If you wanna know more about what it is to, to coach and to speak and to train, I'd love to help you in that. And if, if you are enjoying this Small Business Owners and Operators podcast, please leave some comments in the link subscribe to the channel so you can get all the information uh, when we have new uh, recordings that go live. And I'd love to help you with great content like I just shared with you today. I hope this has benefited you in your thinking and grown you to a better understanding on coaching for better results. Thank you so much. Drew T. Jackson, Drew T. Jackson, coaching, speaking, and training. Talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.